Thank you so much for joining me on Cannabis for the Rest of Us. In our previous episode, we began exploring the role terpenes play in cannabis and other plants. While we're just beginning to understand terpenes in cannabis, the notion of using sativa and indica to describe how a cannabis strain affects you may be coming to an end. In the very near future, instead of asking your bud tender for a sativa or indica product, you may be asking for cannabis which contains certain terpenes that work best for your medical condition. This possibility fascinates me, and I want to keep learning with our second episode devoted to terpenes. My guest today is Kristen Yoder, featured in Forbes magazine and named one of Marijuana Venture Magazine's 40 Under 40 Rising Stars of Cannabis. Kristen is a 14-year Los Angeles cannabis veteran, strategic advisor, and podcast personality who has managed successful cannabis businesses in every sector. Kristen's popularity as an outspoken and trusted authority on a variety of subjects has also led to her teaching classes, speaking at events, and appearing in national and international print and online media stories. When she isn't sharing her fierce wit and sparkling personality on stage or on the air, Kristen advises and prepares her clients for the unique intricacies and quagmires often overlooked and unexpected by those entering the newly regulated cannabis landscape. Kristen, tell me about your journey in the cannabis business because the breadth of it is amazing. Oh, what a journey it has been. Uh, so I started in 2005 as a medical patient um, and I went to one of the only dispensaries in LA, in the city of LA, in Venice specifically. And when I went in there, it was like, oh my God, I can buy weed in a store. Like now I don't have to call my ex-boyfriend anymore. This is amazing. Uh, so I... I asked them like, hey, do you need any help? Because at the time I was managing a hair salon because uh, I'm a licensed hairdresser. Um, so I went into the dispensary and asked if they needed help and they just so happened to need help. So the second time I came in, I did an interview and that was it. After that, I quit my job at the salon and I was at the um, dispensary for five years which was amazing, and that was before uh, recreational adult use. It was before Leafly and Weed Maps, um, though Weed Maps was pretty, I mean, they're 2008, but anyways. Uh, like, there were a lot, everyone was sick that came into my dispensary. We right, didn't, it, was, it was the collective model. Yeah, we didn't advertise ever. Um, we were all word of mouth, and the people that came in, I'm a very empathetic person, um, and I would want to help people so bad but at the time it's like we didn't know shit at all back then i was selling everything indica sativa head high body high whatever like i didn't know i was making shit up everyone was they i mean they still do today but um (laughs) no (laughs) you know it works for people though people will believe what you say and they will feel it it's called placebo effect and that can be just as effective as a lot of medications out there not saying cannabis doesn't do things it just doesn't necessarily do what people tell you it will do for you specifically um but anyway so i was there for five years it got really stressful and like my i just gave Everything. I mean, I was so intensely into it that it just sucked the life out of me. So I took two years off to learn how to grow cannabis indoor and outdoor, to which like it was fun in my apartment or in someone else's place. But when you get into a warehouse, it was just like farming indoors. And I don't like 
sweating and dealing with bugs and a bunch of heavy labor type things like shout out to all the growers like god bless them because it's it's brutal it's hard and it's not for everyone so that's when i hit up a friend who owned one of the largest edible companies in california they're now called vcc brands and started doing supply chain management and um Granted, I was a hairdresser, so, and then a bud tender, and then a grower. I've never sat behind a desk. Um, I, I thought using Microsoft Outlook was like giving in to like corporatism or something. <laughs> you joined the corporate yeah, ranks, God I, forbid. I had no idea. So I taught myself <laughs> supply chain management essentially um, all on my own with the internet and inventory and math and fucking up and QuickBooks and. Within like six months, I started doing the product development and working with the testing lab and doing formulations and working with the kitchen and packaging and food science. And that was amazing. And then after two years, I took over operations and um, we were serving over a thousand dispensaries at the time. We had 70 products. I mean, it was legit. Everything I was doing, you know, working with an ERP, working with supply chain, that was all legit things that I was doing that I I had to learn without any guidance and that was really insane so that's how I've learned everything so anyways I was there for three years I went to work for the testing lab the workshop that um we worked that I worked with while I was at the edible company to do the product um the concentrate testing and product development testing. And I did project management with them, which was helping with inventory and supply management. And while I was there, they created a terpene training kit, which is when I learned that for five years, I misled people with the indica sativa bullshit, which is why I become such terpene, passionate terpene educator advocate, because I feel that I must atone for the sins of of my miseducation of people. Um, so with the terpene kit, I started doing classes. Um, and after I left the lab to start consulting, I just kept doing the classes anyways, because they're awesome. And I love teaching people. So I did consulting for a year, wasn't a fan of it. I don't like doing formal documentation. So I decided to do strategic advising, which is what I do now, which is just providing guidance and honest insight and feedback um, and playing devil's advocate, challenging people's assumptions, making sure they're ready for the industry, as well as teaching my classes, as well as um, my podcast that I have, The Cannabis Detector, where I call out bullshit in the industry, as well as my radio show in San Diego called Notes from the Underground and my Dash radio show called Storytime. Um, and that's all I can think of at the moment. That's quite a bit. I know. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't give you any room to speak. But That's okay. We're here to listen to you. Yeah, it's 14 years. It's been a long time. So yeah. in addition to the terpene training kit that you mentioned, did you take any other formal classes or did you, did re- did you research on your own? Tell me a little bit about that. So I learned about terpenes from... Dr. Jeffrey Raber, who is my mentor and my bullshit detector. And he's amazing. And I learned a lot about terpenes when I was at the edible company because we started at the time before I left, um, we started playing around with terpenes in our tinctures and in our edibles to influence the effects, of which I was a, a test 
tester of and have experienced what too much terpenes does, which is when I realized like, oh shit, like these really do something. Um, so I learned just by doing a ton of research all the time and then asking Jeff questions. Um, I'm already very inquisitive and because I've done practically everything in the supply chain, it gives me like, I make creative connections and then I'd run them by Jeff who would be like, no, you should look into this or have you thought of this? And then I'd be like, oh, there you go. So like, no, I've learned everything hands-on from my mentor. So if you had to describe terpenes to someone that knew nothing about what they are, what would you say? They're the aromatic molecules found in all of nature. Any aromatherapy is Mm -hmm. based off of terpene profiles of plants. So lavender essential oil, that is literally the lavender terpene profile. So cannabis is just, it's funny because people get cannabis confused with some mythical otherworldly thing, but it's actually a plant. And there are lots of plants that have very strong smells. Um, There are lots of plants with trichomes, actually. So it's not just cannabis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, catnip has trichomes. Um, Makes sense. Talantias, little, the air plants, they have trichomes. Several of them do. A lot of them will have them on their stems. I mean, a trichome is just like a little ball with oils and stuff mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. It, on any plant. So, yeah, so essential oils, aromatherapy, this is literally the study of terpenes. Plus, terpenes are in chemicals that perfumes fragrances but they're the aromatic molecules of nature so we've reached that part of the show that i'm calling name that terpene if you answer all the clues correctly you win a new car oh my god okay i'm kidding i shit i need a car no i'm kidding damn it now are you ready yes all right here we go this is the first one this terpene is one of the most prevalent ones in cannabis it has sedative relaxing effects and has an earthy aroma its name sounds kind of old school, like someone who might have a cousin named Ethel. What is it? Myrcene. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. So tell me about um, some of the, the profiles of this terpene. You know what's actually really interesting? Uh, I was looking for, when I teach my terpene class, I have the isolated terpenes, but then I also have essential oils from plants just to show what a terpene profile smells like. And the fact that cannabis doesn't smell like any of its isolated terpenes and neither do the terpene profiles of other plants. Like they're very concentrated, but in very tiny amounts. Um, So what I found out about myrcene, because I was looking for an essential oil that would be high in myrcene and I really couldn't find one. And what I found on Wikipedia, which I didn't know, is that most myrcene is not derived from plants it is a byproduct of benzene. And I think this is why, I mean, I think because I'm still looking into this, I just realized this, um, this might be why the FDA made myrcene illegal uh, because they're saying that it shows that it's a cancer-causing chemical. Um, Because it's derived from benzene? Just, it's just shown to cause cancer in rats. Um, So I think that, that I don't, I'm not a chemist, but there's something called stereochemistry, which mm-hmm. when you have a synthetic molecule versus a natural molecule, while you think molecules are the same, that's not the smallest size 
I mean, you can right. get into particles, etc. Sure, sure. right. So right. stereochemistry would be like instead of having something on the right hand side, stereochemistry is one having the same exact molecule but flipped around. So if you like put your hands together, like back to front, you know what I'm gotcha. saying? They're, right, right. They're the same, but they're backwards. I don't know if that's the same. I'm I'm literally this is just what I'm learning from people that I ask. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean we must be getting mercine from plants from these terpene companies that say that it's naturally derived. Plus, synthetic mercine is now banned by the FDA and it falls under Prop sixty five warnings as well. So natural mercine is a good thing. Dude, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. This is huh. the thing. Terpenes are incredibly strong solvent chemicals. I mean, some of these have, they can explode very easily. Like these are, they get on your skin and they can cause boils or burn you or like you get them in your lung. You could die if you swallow them. They're not, we're not fucking around just because it comes from a plant. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea. Yeah. So that's some, that's something people need to realize is these terpenes are, this is chemistry. Like these are chemicals. Um, very strong chemicals. So what are some common, well-known strains that would have a higher mercine content? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I don't like giving definitive answers on things like this because several things. First of all, you see these flavor wheels through Leafly or Steep Hill or, or any of these labs. And while I find them very helpful, the thing is, is when someone turns in a sample to get the terpene profile, the lab isn't validating the genetics. They're just entering the sample as is labeled into their systems. Right. So who's to say that the majority of the sour diesel samples that came into that lab were actually legitimately sour diesel? However, all of their various terpene profiles get... Um, averaged out into this is the sour diesel terpene profile. If you look from a genetic company on their page and look at um, like seed companies, they can show the amount of terpenes in each week, the concentration that it should have. But those rarely match these terpene um, strain maps or whatever. So it's like, you know, Blue Dream is known to be high in mercine, um, but I just, I don't, I don't really like purple strains are also generally tend to be, and I don't like Right, and that's something I've read, sure, sure. Because strain is not the right word, Um, it's a chemovar. Chemovar or cultivar? Or cultivar, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, but that's not a battle I care about right now. Okay. You know, so I will say strain, but just know that I know better than to say it. (laughs) All right, so uh, moving on to our next terpene. Yes. If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. This terpene improves mood and reportedly reduces stress. What's its name? Limonene. Yes. 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 So <laughs> limonene is one of the most common terpenes in our lives that I don't think people even realize. Um, limonene comes from the rinds of citrus. It's literally smells like orange oil. Um, so you know those air fresheners that you spray that are orange yes. smell and they're all natural? Yes, that's, I have one hanging in my car. That's limonene. Um, so there's like this soap that mechanics use. Yes, the, the orange goopy stuff. Exactly. I have some of that in my garage, thank yeah. you. So that's just limonene and uh, pumice. Um, 
So orange cleaners, that's limonene, they actually use limonene as a fracking solution no. instead of benzene. Yes. So limonene is, it's such a strong solvent that you can use it to clean off resin. I mean, I know companies that use limonene as their their cleaner. Wow. For things. Well, yes. you were saying just, you know, a little bit ago how powerful terpenes are. And, you know, to be this honest, I'm saying. that hadn't really occurred to me. Yeah. They, it doesn't occur to anyone. This is why it's so stupid to like dab, like dip a dab into terpenes and then dab it. That is fucking insane. No, that'd be bad. Even I know that'd these be bad. These are chemicals. Yeah. Like these are seriously chemicals. And what we're, we're still learning what the concentration at what heat and what these things can do to us. You know? All right. So my next one is this terpene also provides relaxing and sedative properties. And its name rhymes with the city where the Beatles got started. Linalool. Like Liverpool. (laughs) Nice. I'm very proud of that question. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Linalool, most commonly found in lavender, lavender oil. Uh, Actually... There is a linalool prescription drug in Russia that is an anti-anxiety drug um, because it's been shown to have anti-anxiolytic properties. Really? Uh, Yes. So linalool is one of the other terpenes found in purple-dominant cultivars uh, in general. And... um, I don't know. I don't know what... I Like I said, I'm not so definitive on the other cultivars right, that right. we have it or chemovars well with linalool uh, you know just on some of the things I've read and have written about there um, do you agree that it can be helpful for conditions like arthritis or depression um, insomnia and cancer I mean we're not making any health claims here but do you think that it can help with people suffering from those conditions because I teach my terpene class I have sources for everything that I teach. Um, because I started off by reading all of these articles and then being like, oh, okay, yeah, this must be true. There's a pervasive myth. Um, well, I'll get to that. But yeah, things are not all true. So look, linalool, there's tons, like here's the thing, terpenes are not new. They're just new right. to us. New to us, exactly. These, because we're, These are, we're, the chemical right. industry has been working with these for decades. We've been surrounded by terpenes forever. They're in our cleaning solutions, etc. So there's tons of medical research behind all of these. Um, so linalool has been shown to decrease depressive-like behavior in restrained rats. It has... Uh, The odor only, just inhaling it, um, just your nose, sniffing it, has an anti-anxiety effect in mice. Um, Anti-inflammatory activity and good for anxiety. The thing is, is with linalool, most of its effects come from inhalation. Okay. Um, I mean, you can put it on your skin as well, but I don't know about with cancer and everything like that. And something to keep in mind with cannabis is it's such a tiny amount in cannabis, the concentration of any terpene, that I don't think that alone is a high dominant linalool chemovar is not necessarily going to fix cancer or affect it whatsoever. Now, more importantly, can you say linalool three times in a sentence and pronounce it correctly? I mean, I can say it in a row, but in a sentence, no. Okay, how about in a row? Linalool, linalool, linalool. Okay, that's pretty good. You get the bonus round. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. Okay, so um, this terpene has a reputation for being spicy and sassy, 
And it's also found in black pepper, cinnamon, cloves, and spices like oregano, basil, and rosemary. Name that terpene, Kristen. Beta-caryophylline. That is correct. Or is it beta-caryophylline? I don't know. One of my previous guests, Wes, from Cannabis Works, said it's like tomato-tomato. It just kind of depends. Okay, good. So I think we're okay either way. Okay, cool. Um, Something cool about beta-caryophylline is that it... um, activates the CB1 receptor. So because it interacts with a cannabinoid receptor, technically it could be considered to be a cannabinoid. Really? Yes. Yeah. So they're finding that using beta-caryophylline like black pepper or something Mm -hmm. like that to mitigate the effects of too much THC. Correct. I've read that. that I've not experienced that personally. Me either. But I've I've read that if you're feeling too high, um, that, you know, have some crushed um, black pepper nearby. Yeah, so I don't know. Or put it in a salad. I, I'm not going to say that's true. I need to <laughs> right, do more I don't research know. into that. But it's like there was a pervasive myth that drinking mango juice would increase your high because myrcene. Right, because but, of the myrcene content. Right, I've read no that as well. But there's no study that proves that anywhere. Um, and in fact, it's there's not nearly enough myrcene to have that effect um, in the first place. Yeah, you so, need to eat like yeah, a Yeah, so we learn myths. Case of mango. We learn when things are myths, you know, after the fact. So I don't want to claim that the black pepper thing is right. But if it activates your CB1 receptor, mm-hmm. then it could have a similar effect like CBD, which okay. can counter, counter impact THC. Right. And yeah. so does it, do you think it helps with um, relaxation or things? How does it actually work within the CB1 receptor to improve health. So here's the thing, and people are going to be like, dude, just say something definitive. But we all have a different genetic makeup Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, we also take different medications. And we also have different terpene and cannabinoid concentrations along with the concentrations of whichever terpene we're talking about at the time. So... What does it do on its own? What does it do when it has other things? You know, that's the whole entourage effect or the ensemble effect, I like to call it. Because it's all these different things working together in the first place. So unless you're just slamming some beta-caryophylline, it's what is it doing in conjunction with the other things? Everything else. Yes. And we're just beginning the science, at least here in the United States, right? for cannabis, I guess, this is not new science for pharma- the pharmacology. Right. who have been working with yeah, terpenes, chemical- as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I've shown when I do terpene posts, I will get more, um, more views from BASF and... Um, the chemical company out of Germany, right? Yeah, from Apotex. Yeah, different pharmacy and chemical companies. And I think that's another way into the cannabis industry is by terpenes and not necessarily cannabis because they're not illegal anywhere. Uh, Next one. Yes. Imagine yourself hiking in a forest. You take a deep breath and feel relaxed. What's the terpene you're most likely smelling? Alpha-pinene. That's correct. Which is one of my favorite terpenes. Why? Smell-wise, I just, I think it smells so good. And I have friends that have a walnut tree. And the walnut fruit, before it hardens and all of that, like, Mm -hmm. it smells so good. It's so alpha-pinene dominant smelling. And I love it so much. And how does that terpene help the human body? 
Let's look at the studies. Uh, <laughs> yes. So compare because, like I said, I don't go into these things with people because I want them to go out and experience things without any preconceived expectations right. to see what it does. Planting for that them. proverbial seed, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, for them specifically, because it's different for everyone. Um, so it has anti-tumor effects on human hepatoma cell lines through inducing G2M cell cycle arrest. Oh my God, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it helps improve airflow to the lungs. It reduces inflammation. It is a memory enhancer by inhibiting acetylcholinesterase activity in the brain. And uh, it is an anti anti-infectious bronchitis virus activity um anti-infectious bronchitis and as a former asthmatic i've spoken with quite a few people that that say um that that particular terpene does help with um your bronchial tubes to Mm -hmm. help expand them yeah um do you think it gives you energy or a creative spark? I mean, I've noticed that it seems like a lot of sativas are higher in alpha-pinene, and those tend to be labeled, oh, more you know, creative or more focused. Do you think there's any truth to that? Honestly, I don't get these major differences in the things that I'm consuming. Um, like, I don't... I, I guess I don't buy into the whole sativa indica bullshit right, in right. the first place. So usually I don't get that really extremely creative spark from cannabis. Um, so I don't know. For me, alpha pinene has been much more of a relaxing thing. Interesting. But here's another thing. Our olfactory system is it's uniquely tied to our memories and our emotions. And so we develop from different smell, I guess, uh, sensory experiences over a lifetime to have developed relationships with smells that will bring us back and evoke specific feelings. Mm -hmm. And moments in time. Exactly. So if you were dumped in a lavender-scented car, that might not be something that's super relaxing for you. (laughs) Yes, that'd be a little bit different circumstances. Yeah, you know? So I think this is the other difference is when you're inhaling something, that's bringing your olfactory system into play. And that's different than if you were to consume it, which would be going through your gastrointestinal system. Right, right. Which, that's different. Yeah, I don't for know sure. those effects. You're, you process it differently. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay, so um, this, is, this is my last one, my last clue. Uh, this terpene is described as the classic cannabis skunkiness and is also found in hops in beer. Name that terpene, Kristen, and what is it good for? Alpha humulene. And um, what's interesting is hops is in the cannabisi, cannabisii family. Right. It's a cousin yes, to cannabis, correct? Exactly. I learned that again with, with Wes from my previous podcast on this topic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So there's a pervasive myth when it comes to humulene that it is an appetite suppressant. However, I spent hours looking because this is quoted in all kinds of different inter- or articles about terpenes. So I couldn't find anything that showed that humulene affects weight loss or anything huh. like that. Yeah, so that was interesting. Um, but it is a, it's an anti-inflammatory. It's an antibacterial. It's an anti-tumor. Um, that's... From what I've read, yeah, yeah. Um, those are the medical studies that are most tied to alpha-humulene. 
So what's next for you in terms of educating people about terpenes? What, what's on your plate, Kristen? The hill I will die on is to get sativa and indica off of packaging, off of marketing, off of bud tenders' tongues. Because there's, we know that it's not true. So why are you still packaging it? Oh, because it's hard to teach consumers about chemistry. But what, we're just going to keep misleading them and telling them bullshit in the first place? Like even companies that give their strains or their chemovars or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, effect based names instead of name names. Sure, absolutely. I find that misleading. Like, who even came up with that in the first place, you know? Like, does anyone actually know what anything is actually doing for them? Because are they even paying attention or are they just seeing something like, oh, it's calm, and then they get it, and sometimes it doesn't work for them, but they don't really think about why. And I want to make... I'm coming up with a system, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of terpene educators out there that Mm -hmm. are trying to figure out a way to make it easy for consumers to digest this information. But my goal is, is to remove these things and to have all companies show the terps, show the terps on the packaging. Just have a QR code that goes to the terpene test results. I would love that. Like, fuck the strain name. Look, I respect genetics. Don't get me wrong. But when everyone's lying and no one's validating it anyways, I don't care what you call it. Don't call it sativa indica. Don't call it sour diesel or whatever. Just show me the test results. That's it. And when we don't sell people on the effects and we're not selling people on sativa indica, whatever, and we're telling people try this and see what it actually does for you, then people can start making informed decisions based on science because they do fucking lab testing. So it is my mission to get companies, all of them, to do lab testing always and provide terpene test results and let people figure out what actually works for them so that they can go buy cannabis without anyone helping them. Right. Right. So it's a point of self-knowledge. And I, I fully support that as well. And, I, and I'll give you an example of that is I tried to find the lab results on a product that I had recently purchased and could not do that easily. And all I wanted to know was I was I didn't really care about the THC to CBD ratio or percentage or any of that. I wanted to know what terpenes were in that. How mm-hmm. what were they tested? What were the results of that? And I couldn't get that information. So I completely agree with you on that, that I think that's something the industry needs to do a better job of letting customers know what is the actual terpene profile of that product they've just purchased. What would be even better is if we just get out the information for people to start. They don't even have to understand what is doing what. All we have to do is get people to start asking for the test results and start keeping track of what does what for them. They don't have to understand the chemistry behind it. They don't have to ask a bud tender shit. All they have to be is like, hey, let me scan the QR code or let me see the test results. Oh, okay, so this has a myrcene, limonene, whatever. I have found that those have been things that work for me. Right, right, for you and your body. Yeah, and then you don't need to ask anyone anything. And you don't need to be sold anything. Like, let's get the sales bullshit out of this and just give people the information they need to make informed decisions. So my goal is to go around and to to promote companies that are doing this already, to put the companies that aren't on blast so that they do it, and just to go around and teach, teach terpenes and teach uh, due diligence, teach people the right questions to ask. I love that. Now, where can people find you online? You can find me 
at soiltotheoil.com. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, but I'm working on a website called showtheterps.com. I love that. Thank you. That's where I'm going to have like online classes and all my podcast information and anything terpene related. Okay, well, we'll put that in the show notes because okay, cool. even if it's not up when the show airs, it'll be the show will last forever. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So show the terps. So then on Instagram at soil to the oil and that's all spelled out um and on instagram show the terps is the instagram then for my podcast um on instagram it's at cannabis pod i still have to redo the website so just go on there click the link in the bio that'll take you to the um to the episodes and then at my other show story time you can find it at stto underscore story time on instagram Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I've really learned a lot from you today, which is why I wanted to come do this interview with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming out. Glad we could finally do this. Thank you for listening to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. Please subscribe and help us grow. Check out our show notes for more information about this podcast, Gotta Story Media, and our sponsor, Three Wells. You can find us at gotastory.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-S-T-O-R-Y. Dot com.